Seconds left. They trail by three. Orange. The jumper doesn't go off the window. Not to the outside. Washington off the mark and it's over. It's March. Expect the unexpected. Oh, Roberts has put it. to hunt down that three. This is for the tie. It rings out. Florida chasing it down. Lewis for the tie. That's not there. This is High Motor by BetMGM, Sweet 16, Elite 8 weekend on High Motor, Saturday, Sunday, Elite 8, Monday, and Tuesday. Andrew Doughty and Chase Kitty are in High Motor by BetMGM. I spent some time this morning going over some historical stuff for, for something else. Just kind of peeking at the last time these 16 programs were where they are, when they were here the last time, what did they do, etc., I didn't realize that Creighton's last last Elite Eight was in the 40s, Arkansas 95, Oregon State, Houston the 80s. USC is the one that I wanted to bring up to you really quickly before we hop into some betting stuff. USC is looking for their first Elite Eight since 2001. That's their only Elite Eight since the 50s. And what this made me think of, remember during our college football neighborhood series last summer when we talked a lot about programs like I think Arizona was an example, South Carolina was an example, programs that we hold in higher regard and we have higher expectations for than where they just truly sit in the college football landscape. Is USC basketball, like are they the king of that conversation? Because if you go back and look over their records, what they've actually done, they've only made the tournament, I don't have a pull up in front of me now, like something eight or nine times over the last 40 years. They only have three Sweet 16 all time. I know we don't think that like USC should be this final four contender every year and we get kind of where they live, but it also seems like we don't realize how bad USC basketball truly is. Like, are they the epitome of the, we hold them in higher regard, but this is actually where they sit conversation. Maybe this is East coast bias, but like, I never thought of them that way in the first place. I always thought of them as a West Coast football school that sort of had a basketball program as an afterthought. So I I never thought like, man, USC, like that's a that's a top level Pac twelve program. I never had that thought. But don't you at least think like, hey, maybe USC should be better than they are when in fact they aren't and they never have been? Don't you at least have that Not thought? Not really. Like, are you surprised? So you're not surprised. I don't. I wish I had the numbers pulled up in front of me now. You're not surprised that USC has been to three Sweet Sixteens. If I had told you that before, I asked you to guess. You're not that surprised. You're not that surprised they've only had one Elite Eight in the last 50, 60 years. I, I think the three Sweet Sixteen things is pretty surprising, just because that that's a very large budget and a very successful athletic department overall. But I, I guess just when I think about men's basketball, that's not, you know, that's not something I. I've ever thought about them. I've always thought of them as a football school. I want to start with something on Oral Roberts and the, it's not even really historical relevancy, the very minimal historical relevancy of 15 seeds. And then I want to revisit the two uh, huge over-under totals that I brought up on Tuesday's episode because I feel really good about those and I want to get your take after a few days of us looking at those numbers and breaking them down. 
I also want to circle back to your Baylor call on Tuesday saying that you took that early and you implored everybody else to take that early before number jumps. So I want to circle back to that. I want to talk about Alabama too. I really like them to cover. We're also going to talk a little bit of a parlay later on in this episode, where to find the value uh, in this weekend. I want to get your best bets for this weekend. I want to ask you how you tweeted something like this. I think it was before the second round that even though you have fewer games, you might be tempted to go after more uh, because you went after so many games in the first round. How you can remain judicious uh, with a lighter slate of games but still kind of attacks and values. This is going to be a loaded episode. Let's start with Florida Gulf Coast and the Oral Roberts situation I want to ask you about. What is going on in the background uh, behind you? Evidently, it's just they, they collected all the douches in the state of Virginia that ride motorcycles, and they are all in a giant parade outside of my house, so that's cool. Sounds like a whale is mating directly outside of your window. Well, the funny thing about that, Andrew, is that USC is actually an old Danish term for a whale's vagina. Florida Gulf Coast. Oral Roberts. We still have like 40 minutes to go here. And it is warm in this closet Woo! already. And when I start getting excited and worked up, sweating a little bit, there's no airflow. There's no vent. There's no cross ventilation. The door is closed. You hit me with whale's vagina early, and I don't know if I'm going to be able this to This is one of those fun that. times. I have no idea if this is going to make the episode or not. <laughs> does, does, does whale's vagina get cut in post? I don't know. Florida Gulf Coast, when they made the Sweet 16, 2013, I have 2012 written down, but it, I'm almost positive. I think it was 2013, because I, I think I was a senior in college. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 2013. Yeah, so Florida Gulf Coast, they were playing Florida in the Sweet 16. 13-point underdogs did not cover that. In a 12-point loss, Oral Roberts right now, it was 11 earlier. It's still 11 on BetMGM.com. When everybody didn't know that Florida Gulf Coast existed as a school, existed as a basketball program until they beat uh, Georgetown, and then I think it was San Diego State in the second round, everybody was all over Florida Gulf Coast then going into... I know I'm not asking you to like go back and remember who you took in this Dunk game City. eight years ago, but... Trying to remember, do you actually remember that? You oh, took no, them? I didn't take them. No way. This is just very wow. Andy Enfield heavy start to this podcast. Now that everybody knows Oral Roberts and knows what they've done because he got so much attention, how does that play into your decision making? And if you recall at all, like the Florida Gulf Coast factor, everybody didn't even know they existed. And then everybody was rooting for them against Florida. Every single person that wasn't a Gators fan or on that Gators line was rooting for them. I don't know like what the breakdown is for Oral Roberts with the whole like religious liberty situation that's more polarizing than this Florida school that nobody knew existed in Fort Myers. But is there any like historical comparison that you can use to your advantage in a case like Oral Roberts, whom nobody knew about, and they are one of two double digit underdogs? You see what I'm asking? I do, here, and at least? I think I've approached how to bet Oral Roberts from a different standpoint because I do have Oral Roberts on my card this week. Um, so the, I, th I think the first thing I did is I went back and looked just to sort of get a baseline, how they were handicapped last weekend. And then I went and looked at, uh, sort of what the tickets are, what the money is, what, what the splits look like for this upcoming game against Arkansas. So Oral Roberts plus 15 against Ohio state, Oral Roberts plus nine against Florida. That's a two seed. And what is it? Well, Florida was a, a seven seed. So it's a, 
You hit on Correct. both of those, right? Um, and yeah. now we've got Oral Roberts catching about 11 against Arkansas, a three seed. So I think some of that is marketplace driven because the numbers don't all really make sense when you think about the seeds they were playing and, and the, the point spreads that were attached. I think at the heart of your question, you're asking me, how is Oral Roberts commodified differently after they've become um, more more of a known commodity uh, going through this tournament? And now they're they're this big fifteen double digit seed in the Sweet Sixteen. Right. Are people jumping on them? Are people staying away from them? Are people betting against them? There's not a ton of historical precedents to rely on when you're talking about fifteen seeds in the Sweet Sixteen, but you can look at what people are betting with Oral Roberts in this upcoming game and see that 60% of tickets are on Arkansas. So even though they are a popular media darling, uh, just simply because they're a 15 seed in the Sweet 16, it doesn't really seem like the general public is buying into them from a gambling standpoint. Now, the Sharps feel differently because Oral Roberts is 2-0 against the spread in this tournament. And obviously they're 2-0 straight up because they're in the Sweet 16. They're still alive in the bracket. The Sharps, 60% of the money is on Oral Roberts. So that's a pretty clear split when you've got 60% of tickets on Arkansas, 60% of money on Oral Roberts. I will once again be betting on Oral Roberts as I did both of the games the last weekend. The total on that game, this is one of those that I mentioned uh, on Tuesday, 159. It was 159 as of this morning. We're talking here on Thursday night. Yeah, it's still 159. And this was a number that immediately caught my attention. We talked a lot about Colgate and Arkansas, how that number was just way too high after the selection show. I think it opened at like 157, and then it closed at 161. I think it closed somewhere around 169. Right. Yeah. And it just seemed outrageously high, even though I mean you can look up tempo stuff and offensive efficiency stuff for both those teams. They were very capable of, like you said, I'm sure you could find stats that would suggest that, that number was actually maybe even a little bit too low based on some of those efficiency numbers, some of those tempo numbers, Arkansas being the fastest team in the country with how well Colgate can shoot from the outside. And now you have Arkansas, you know, six, seven days later, against Oral Roberts, this number is 159. It's been sitting there, I think, for a couple of days now. And as I dug deeper into these numbers, first glance, it seemed high, but I just wanted to make sure that that that, that initial premonition was correct. And going into these numbers, they average a combined 150 uh, possessions per game on average. So you're talking about a little over a point per possession to hit that. And that's literally where these teams average out. Where they average out in their their points per possession, I think it's like one point. 0.6 uh, total, or excuse me, combined on average points possession, that would put them at right at 159. So like that number and other support that this number is right around, right around where they can get it at, I just don't understand why this number is so high, why Colgate was so high when Arkansas doesn't have a bad defense. I get this number if Arkansas was like 150 in Ken Palm and just had a mediocre defense that was relying on this fast pace off like this isn't like an air raid offense that can't play defense and they're just getting pounded back in the defensive end arkansas doesn't have a bad defense that's one of the things that got them through sec play uh playing so well colgate got really hot against them they still only scored 68 points with how many threes colgate was hitting in the first half 
And then I get Colgate missed some of those open shots in the second half. They could have easily scored 75, 76, 77 points in that game. But even with how hot Colgate got, they still only scored 68 points against the defense. I I assume it's underrated if they keep putting these numbers that high. I can't remember what Arkansas's number was uh, in the second round. So I think the obvious play here is under 159. Do you have a read on this one? Are you on the same page as I think it's a I lean for me. Um, I, I definitely would play the under if you wanted to play this total. I think there are other totals I like better. I think I prefer the side over the total in this particular game. So I am considering a small play on the under and then maybe even a parlay for Oral Roberts and then the under. Uh, but I haven't locked those in yet. And uh, if I le- if I end up being more conservative in what I bet this weekend, then I'll probably stick with just the straight bet. It's kind of up in the air for me at this point. The other huge total that I mentioned on Tuesday was Creighton-Gonzaga, still at 158. Is that among those that you're interested in? I really like the under in this Creighton-Gonzaga game. Uh, When you look at Creighton's totals, Creighton in particular, over the last few games, their last five, I believe, they've gone under the posted total, all five by more than 10 points, four of those five by more than 20 points. So they are way under the mark here. I think the tricky part is with Gonzaga, you know how effectively and efficiently they can score. So even a trend like that with Creighton, you have to be wary of. But ultimately, I still think, you know, Creighton is going to score between 50 and 60 points in this game. Even if they start having to jack threes late, uh, I I still think they're not, they're probably not going to break 70. So I think this is a great opportunity for the under. I think the pros agree with me when you start to look at the splits. We're talking about something like 38% of tickets are on the under, but it's getting more than 90% of the money from some of the numbers that I've seen. So that's a great split. Uh, I I think there there are a lot of pros that are on this side. I think this is a big pros versus Joe's situation. So, I mean, I think when you add it all together, this is a great opportunity. And if you want to bet... Anything in this game, I would be betting the under. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think there are same similar points that I made with Oral Roberts, Arkansas, and then going back to Arkansas, Colgate. There are numbers to support why this number is at 158. Gonzaga is, you know, top three, five, ten in most offensive efficiency metrics, most tempo metrics. Creighton doesn't have a bad offense. I mean, they're top 30-ish. So this isn't a bad offense on Creighton. Like you said, they've been most often an under-team this season. They haven't been like that offensively impressive against two teams that don't really do anything for me this year. Like two very mediocre defensive teams in this tournament. I just have a hard time seeing that. Yeah, there is obviously, like Gonzaga could put up 90 in this game. Like that is a very, very real possibility. And then you're talking about Creighton only needing 68 points to give this to the over, but I just have a hard time seeing Creighton keeping up their end of a bargain against the Gonzaga defense. And I think you nailed it with somewhere between 50 and 60. I would probably put it in like the upper half of 50, maybe lower sixties. Let's even bump it to 65. I mean, you're talking about then is Gonzaga going to score 93 points in this game? Are they capable of scoring 93? Yeah, right. Absolutely. But it's a tournament with game. that, but that's a big, big number. And I mean, that, then we're sitting here saying, this is going to be a 31-point game against a Creighton team that, 
Yes, they look like shit against a bad Georgetown team, but I don't know if that's going to happen again. Like, I could see Creighton getting smashed here, but by 31 in a game which Gonzaga is going to put up 94, 95 points, this total seems just too high for me. What other totals do you like this weekend? Uh, I, I'm looking very carefully at the Loyola under, and it's, it's partially because the number is noticeably low. It's very low. Um, so yeah, opened at 126, it's down to 125 and a half. And with so much public money and so many public eyes on this tournament, and especially on Loyola, you have to know that the public is going to be on the over here. And that's exactly what the splits tell you, that 70% of tickets are on the over, but 80% of the money is on the under. And Hey, quick question on that. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Generally, yes, we know that, that fans typically bet the over, but generally, maybe like NFL is a better example. When there's a huge primetime game that people know they're going to be watching, do they tend to bet the over on that, a game that they know they're going to watch? In this case, I think a lot of people are going to watch. I mean, they're going to watch every game, but a lot of people are all over Loyola Chicago right now. In a game they know they're going to watch, are they far more likely to just take the over no matter no, what No, I think it depends say? on the context. So you, you mentioned like football. I'll give you a good example that, that would be the opposite. When... It's Monday Night Football and the Ravens are playing the Steelers, you know, for for a lot of years. Maybe not necessarily now, but for a lot of years, that was an automatic public under. Everybody was was gearing up to watch a 9-6 overtime game, you know, and sometimes you did get those. Sometimes it was 14-10 to and it was, you know, whoever had the ball last and could make a 41-yard field goal. It was that kind of game. But a lot of times, probably more often than not, those numbers are taken so low. You so rarely see numbers south of 40 for NFL games, but a lot of times for Pittsburgh, Baltimore, you'd see like 38 because they knew everybody was going to bet the under and they were trying to position themselves to be in square in the middle of the marketplace and avoid all that public under to try to entice maybe one or two people extra out of 100 to look at that over because the number was so low. So I think in this case, the average public basketball fan probably looks at this number and goes, college basketball totals 125? All I, it's 65-60? That's it? That's all I need? That's an easy over. And in reality, Loyola is so methodical. They have such a you know just crisp tournament strategy of efficient offense and back screens and and these things they do that are really effective and they they keep the ball deep into the shot clock high percentage shots not a lot of possessions the way they beat illinois it's the same sort of thing they're probably going to do against oregon state i do think this could be a really low scoring game where they come out they feel each other out defensively for the first 10 minutes very low scoring halftime score i think the under is the side to be on here and i'm looking at you know, like a 62-56 kind of game where Loyola advances and you stay under that number. Are we staying in the Sweet 16 or are we going elsewhere Well, I heard your feedback on Monday, Andrew Dowdy. How disappointed, just the, the raw disappointment in your voice that we didn't have a tennis play. So I'm here to bring you the very best in women's tennis. 
Uh, I am looking right now. The big, uh, big tour event is Miami. It's an ATP 1000 event, so it's not a, it's not a major, but it is a big deal tournament that a lot of the big names are playing in. On the women's side, I watched Belinda Bencic absolutely smash somebody this morning. We're recording this on Thursday, and. It just feels like she struggled to get back into form the first month or so on tour. She's had some nice wins. She's had some losses that she'd probably like back. Probably more three-setters than usual. I think she is going to get on a nice little run here. And so as we start to look toward sort of the round of 16 part of this tournament, she's going to start to play bigger names. Uh, I think who she's got, she's got a seeded player next. I think it's uh, Vondrasova. Uh, so that's that's a seed versus a seed. So the number should be relatively reasonable. That game's probably on Saturday, if I had to guess. I like Benchitz to go on a run. I don't know if she's going to win the tournament, but I think I would be looking at her for her next couple of matches. Uh, I like the matchups that she's got in front of her in the draw, and I think she's finally getting into form. So some quality takes there probably on the pride of Switzerland, Belinda Benchitz. <laughs> I mentioned that I want to circle back to Baylor because you pumped that pretty hard at the end of Tuesday's episode, uh, saying that was, I mean, it wasn't even an early lean. I think you had actually bet on that by the time we were recording. Yeah, I mean, it came out shortly, the line came out shortly after that matchup was set. Villanova Baylor, it was at 300. I think you said you actually got it for 260. We're recording this again on Thursday night. This afternoon on betmgm.com, it was actually at 350. Now it's come back down to 300. You recommend that people jump on this before it popped up. Are you surprised that it's only at 300 and you think people should still jump on that? Or because it hasn't moved, is that telling you anything? I am a little surprised. Just I, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are wary to bet money line favorites, particularly in the NCAA tournament. But it would be pretty shocking if this Baylor team lost to a shorthanded Villanova team, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not off base on that, right? You... You feel that way, too, from a non-handicapping standpoint, just a basketball observational standpoint, right? Yeah, I'd be pretty shocked. The The only thing that I'm a little bit wary of that you don't, I don't need to tell you is that, like, shit happens oh, sure. in the tournament. Uh, I just, I don't think this is the spot. I don't think, I don't know how Villanova attacks Baylor successfully. I think Baylor would have to lose this game. I'm, I'm not sure that Villanova can win it. And so that makes me feel pretty confident. A spot that I just don't see happening is UCLA beating Alabama. Right now, Alabama, six-and-a-half-point favorite. UCLA, I think, is just playing over their head. They're playing well, but this this UCLA team is not as good as they're playing. I think this number should be higher. Again, six-and-a-half right now. I don't think it's moved in the last three days. I should go back and look to see what it opened at. They're on a three-game ATS streak. I, I wrote about this on BetMGM.com if you want to look more back at the historical context of this. They're just, I don't think they're that, they're this good of a team. Like, the BYU game was impressive. I think you were on the BYU money line. I was, one, right? yeah. Got rocked. Yeah. We were both, I assume we were both impressed with that game, but this is the best team against Alabama. By far, they played all season. They played Ohio State early in the season. I know that opinions on Ohio State are kind of varying at that time. Ohio State, I don't think, had reached where they were playing well enough, like midway through the season and obviously through the Big Ten tournament. But I think Alabama is the best team that UCLA has played by far. 
This number just seems too low to me, and I feel really good about Alabama at six and a half. Are you touching this game? Uh, I'm not touching the six and a half, uh, just because I. I don't know, man. Some of these point spreads, just some of these six and a half numbers scare me off. It's part of the reason I'm on the Baylor money line and not the Baylor minus six and a half. I'd prefer to take the point spread out of the equation sometimes. And the NCAA tournament is like example 1A where I want to be betting a winner and not necessarily a favorite against the spread. Uh, That being said, I totally agree with your read on the game. Uh, UCLA, I mean... All credit to UCLA and the California schools and the Pac-12 in general uh, for making the Sweet 16. But Michigan State, BYU, and Abilene Christian uh, is not the same thing as Alabama. They are very good. Uh, They are a bit inconsistent, but they're very, very good. I expect Alabama to win. I actually have a parlay that includes Alabama that I haven't mentioned yet. But it's I'm calling it my shit gets back to normal parlay, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm, is... mm -hmm. Alabama money line, Gonzaga money line, and Houston money line, and you could put those three together in a parlay for plus 110. You could also put Baylor in there if you want, and it jacks up to plus 180. I did not do that because I already am leveraged on Baylor, so I'm trying to spread my money around a little bit. But uh, those are options for you, and, and I think historically the data suggests that before the Final Four, we are going to see the cream rise to the top and these lower seeds are going to go away. Yeah, even though I still think Michigan is extremely vulnerable, I mean, I actually like Florida State a lot in that game. I agree with you. I mean, I don't know. I'm always scared to put too much stock into what history says about the NCAA tournament, especially in this year. Like We have we have a 15 seed in the Sweet 16, for God's sake, for the second time ever. So I'm always like a little bit scared on that, but I think how I approach that even from like a non-betting standpoint, is what you've said so many times where, yes, you care about the history and trends and the numbers and all of that, but that's not the only thing. I mean, you you pounded that on this podcast for two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl that, yes, you care about the Super Bowl historical numbers and the odds and what the trends say, but ultimately, what is the matchup this year? It's not something we can ignore, but that's not the entire equation. That's exactly how I feel about what you what did you call it? Shit returns to normal or something? Shit gets, my shit gets back to normal My parlay. shit gets back yeah. to normal parlay. I agree with you. I just don't... Could there be more upsets in the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 and we get a couple double-digit seeds in the Final Four? Yeah, of course we could do that. But over several decades of history, usually things level out a little bit. And, I mean, it kind of depends on, like, like, would I be shocked if Loyola Chicago made the Final Four? No, not at all. Would I be shocked if Oregon State made the Final Four? Yeah, a little bit more. But I also like the chances. I, I'm just really high on Arkansas. I'm really high on Gonzaga, obviously. I'm really high on Alabama. I don't really know what to do with a lot of the other teams quite yet. But I agree with you. I, I have a hard time, based on what history has shown us, thinking that this is going to carry on for another full weekend you mentioned that parlay. I was working on one before the show with Baylor, Alabama, Gonzaga, and Arkansas on betmgm.com. That's a plus 137. I don't. You had Gonzaga in yours, correct? Yeah, I had Gonzaga, Alabama. Because Gonzaga is 1100. So, if, I mean, if you're not comfortable putting, I mean, what's the biggest money line you've ever taken? I, I know in tennis, maybe you take it, but are you are you taking an 1100 money line in college basketball? In a parlay, sure. But I, never, I don't know I'm if... sorry, never by itself, though, you are. Probably not in college basketball, certainly not in the NCAA tournament. I have done that in tennis before. I, I have put, I've, 
in rare occasion, but but I have found uh, some spots. I have found a, some money line favorites of like in the fifteen hundred to two thousand range, where I it was just such a lock that it was like you know what I'll, I'll throw whatever the max is on this because I know this is going to happen. What are your other best bets for this weekend before we wrap this up? Uh, I think we haven't mentioned Florida State yet, and and I definitely want to talk about them briefly. The line there opens at Michigan as a three-point favorite. It immediately goes down to two and a half. It is on its way to two right now if you are following the VIG. Uh, I like Florida State. I had this exact matchup in my bracket. I have Florida State winning. So I saw this coming from a week ago. I haven't seen anything to change my mind. Michigan might be that last remaining Big Ten team, but it's not like they haven't looked vulnerable. Uh, they were challenged by LSU for a good 35 minutes. They didn't make a super clean pull away from Texas Southern in that first game. So I think now they're going to be a little shorthanded and playing a Florida State team, it, it, it feels like we say this every year, but they're long, they're lengthy, they're athletic. Playing good they can defense, disrupt finally. you on the interior. Like, we we need to we need to throw that into like the sports analysis cliche bin along with I don't even know uh, Boise State football and Big Twelve defenses in <laughs> Florida State long uh, I I just I think Florida State's the team and I think the the spread on this game telegraphs that that hey this is gonna be a pretty even matchup. And if you go in just taking Michigan because they're the one seed and because they're favored to win, I think you are putting yourself in a spot of trouble. How do you think this perception of the big 10 plays into that? If at all, because everybody is just dumping on the big 10. I mean, we did a little bit on Tuesday's episode and even though like I I thought LSU was going to win that game. I just thought that LSU was playing better going into that game than Michigan was. LSU outplayed them for probably 30, 32, 33 minutes of that game. It wasn't until Michigan really locked. I mean, they played fine defense for the first 30 minutes, but it wasn't until Michigan really locked in on defense and got that transition going, transition game going in the last eight minutes where they pulled away from them. But I thought LSU was going to win that game. And even though, like you said, Michigan is still alive, but I haven't been impressed with them. Going back to my original question, though, like, where do you think the Big Ten perception plays into this? And do you think people are like taking Michigan because they're saying, wow, I guess Michigan's the only Big Ten team alive. They must be the only good team. Uh, I don't know necessarily that they're the only Big Ten team left, so they must be good. But when you look at the ticket splits, there is a majority of tickets on Michigan here. So it's not like there's a massive plurality rush to, you know, publicly assassinate that last Big Ten team. People are still riding the chalk here. Now, looking at the splits, you got 55% of tickets on Michigan. You've got 83% of the money on Florida State. So that kind of tells you where the pros are and why this number is crashing so hard so fast. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. I think I think Michigan is, uh, they were really good all year. And I don't know. And, and if we did this season over again and they were healthy going into the tournament, then maybe we feel differently. But um, I don't know. I think Florida State's the play. We'll probably be back on. I know it's a new schedule, but this throws me off every single time I think about it. We'll probably be back on Wednesday 
I would think going into Final Four weekend, right? Wednesday. Yeah, like a like a reaction talk about the Final Four. That sounds early right. lines, early lines. Yeah, so we'll be back probably Wednesday, and then at least probably just one other time before the Final Four. Then obviously back. We're also going to do some baseball stuff coming up here, uh, some season preview stuff, some future stuff. We mentioned that a little bit. I think we did win totals probably like a month ago now, three weeks ago maybe. But we'll get back into some baseball stuff. Uh, also check out the promos on betmgm.com. There's some buzzer beater insurance on there. We haven't we haven't even seen a buzzer beater yet, have we? Uh, Virginia Tech. Kind of. To go to overtime yeah. against Florida. We haven't seen a game-winning buzzer beater yet, but there is some buzzer beater insurance on there. Uh, some also one-game parlay stuff. So just go to betmgm.com, click your state. And then if you haven't been there yet, there's a $600 risk-free promo also. But then just click that promo button. You'll see all of the March Madness and other promos going for other sports. We'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to High Motor by BetMG. I saw a friend today. It had been a while. And we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter because deep inside the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met. How you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in between